We're glad you joined us today. We know the road may feel isolating, but we are here to go along this journey with you and love the call to action. Rock Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We're going to join together and chat about all things military life. So you know the drill. Rock Up Buttercup. Welcome back to Rock Up Buttercup. I'm your host, Sabrina Johannes, and I'm back with our amazing co-host, Ashley. And we're excited to announce that today is our 20th episode of Rock Up Buttercup. And we've been hosting the show for most of the year. It's been really exciting to see some of you guys coming on and chatting with us. But today we are here with a really awesome guest. Ashley, you want to go ahead and introduce who we have? Yeah, so hey, everyone. So today we have Scott Deluzio. Scott is an amazing veteran who reached out to us via our Instagram. And he wanted to come on and share his story. And we are so excited to have you here with us this week. Especially because this week we're honoring all of our veterans for Veterans Day. So we couldn't think of a better time. So thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show and, and share my story. Hey, right. So you have a podcast, which is where you found us on Instagram. I mean, you've told your story on there as well as in a book, but it's always nice to kind of hear your story from a different perspective and bring it to a different group of people. So if you would like to, if you could give us a little backstory on your military, your career in the military. Yeah, sure. So I guess, you know, just looking back at, you know, early days of my my childhood and growing up, my my brother and I, I have a younger brother, uh, him and I were both raised in a very patriotic family. And growing up, we had the military and firefighters and police officers. Those were the people we looked up to. It wasn't, you know, Superman or, you know, anyone else like the, you know, sports figures or anything like that. It was, it was the, those types of people, the first responders and military and, and things like that. So fast forward a few years to when 9-11 happened in 2001, I was in college and my brother was in high school and, you know, I, I was like everyone else, I was torn apart by, you know, what had taken place. And I had considered just dropping out of college and just joining the military right, right then and there. After sleeping on the decision, I, I decided to stay in. I was already a, a little ways into college and uh, I figured I, I might as well since I started, I might as well finish it. And I knew getting back into something would be really hard. So uh, I, I didn't want to stop going to college and then 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 go to the military. So a few, few years later, my brother uh, ended up going to a military college up in Vermont, uh, Norwich University. And when he was up there, he made friends with a guy who was in the Vermont Army National Guard, and he decided that that was the right thing for him as well. And so he, he decided to join the Vermont Army National Guard up there. And of course, being the bigger brother, um, you know, I, I, I was looking at him like, you know, if he could do it, then, you know, of course I could do it too, right? <laughs> but uh, but I, I was extremely proud of him too, at the same time, you know, I, I say that you know, of course I could do it too, kind of tongue in cheek, but you know, I, I was extremely proud of him. He, he became one of those people that I, I looked up to that we, we were raised to, you know, look up to and, and respect. And, and I, I had, you know, just a world of respect for him for making that decision. And then, I don't know, six months or so after he, he joined, I, I heard a report in the news that the military was struggling to meet their, their recruiting numbers in 2005. And, and so I, I, it kind of got under my skin and made me a little angry. And I, I said, where are all those people from September 11th who were, you know, ready to go and, you know, fight against this enemy and everything like that. And, and wh where did all those people go? You know, this was only a few years later. And then I had a good, long, hard look in the mirror. And I said, well, I am those people and I still haven't done anything myself either. So I said, you know what, if I'm young enough, I'm, I'm healthy enough. 
you know, I'm, I'm able to do this. And if my little brother can do it, then, then I can too. So, so I, I said, you know, what? I'm going to, I'm going to sign up too. So I, I decided to uh, enlist in the uh, Connecticut army national guard and uh, where, where I lived. And, and so I, I joined then and both my brother's unit and my unit, they eventually fell under the same brigade. And in 2010, we were both deployed to Afghanistan as part of a brigade wide deployment. And that's where the, the story kind of gets a little more interesting. You know, pre, prior to that, it, it almost was a story of just, you know, any other soldier. But while my brother and I were, were deployed over there, he was tragically killed uh, in a, a firefight with the, the Taliban. Uh, he was, his unit was on, out on a patrol and they got ambushed. And uh, in the initial ambush, they obviously tried to run for cover and return fire and everything like that you know, that as they're trained to do. And as my brother tried to find some cover, he, he turned around to, to call back to some of the guys that were behind him. And as he was about to speak, his, his head kind of jerked backwards and he flopped back on his, uh, his assault pack that he had on his, the backpack that he had on his, on his back. And the, the shot that hit him killed him pretty much instantly. And, um, you know, so everyone, you know, tried to, get to him and, and help him as best they could. The medics were, were trying to get to him and, and help him, but um, he was pretty much uh, killed instantly. So there wasn't much that they could do, but the firefight that, that he was killed in took place over a, a long period of time. It wasn't one of these uh, quick two, three minute uh, type things like where it's just like one or two people. And then, you know, it's, it's over in a, in a blink of an eye, it took place over the course of several hours. And, um, not only was it a, a firefight where they were receiving fire, they also now it was a recovery mission where they had to recover my brother's body and and get that out of out of uh, the area. Uh, and in the process of uh, evacuating my brother, another soldier was killed. And and so that in that that situation, another soldier, his name was uh, Tristan Southworth. Uh, he was killed in the evacuation attempt uh, for my brother. So now they had two bodies that they had to evacuate out of the area. Um, and for anyone who's been over to that area of the world, you know, the, the terrain is very, uh, rugged and mountainous and, um, you know, it's, it's not easy moving on some of the, the terrain that's there, uh, especially not when you're, you're carrying, uh, all that extra weight of, of another person's body, uh, and, you know, whatever equipment they had weapons and, and things like that. So it, it was a tremendously difficult day for the guys he served with and the, the people who were over there. But then the that same day, I was my unit was out on a mission, and we were we were in a remote village. We flew out in helicopters the night before, and um, while while we were patrolling through the village, I got a call on the radio saying that my commanding officer was looking for me, and and he he came to me and said uh, on the on the radio that he he needed to speak to me directly, and usually that doesn't happen uh, where a commanding officer will jump the chain of command and, and come directly to uh, you know, uh, one of the enlisted soldiers. And so I immediately thought something was wrong, but never in my wildest dreams or imagination did, did I ever think that anything happened to my brother. And when, when I finally linked up with him, he, he told me that my brother had been in an ambush and that he had gotten hit. And so my mind jumped to big brother mode, like, okay, how do I get to him and help him? Does he need a blood donation or, you know, something like that? What, what does he need and how can I help him? 
Um, but what I didn't understand was that he was killed in that. Um, and so naturally I was, I was grieving and, um, you know, unfortunately 20 minutes later or so, uh, our own unit started taking fire from this, the village that we just came out of. And so I had to put my grieving, grieving brother mode aside and step back into the army shoes and, and get back into, uh, get my head back into where it needed to be so that we didn't end up having another casualty because I made a mistake or, or something along those lines. So that's kind of my, my story in a, in a nutshell. I'm sure we can dig into that. That's, I know probably a lot to unpack there, but um, I'm sure we can dig into that a little more if you want. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say when you were talking about um, being the big brother and joining afterwards kind of relates a lot to my, my husband. He was in for a few years and then his brother, who is almost 10 years older than him, just dropped his entire career that he had grown and was like, I'm going to do this too. And joined him. he only managed to do four years or whatever it is, and, but uh-huh. he did the deploying. And so it's kind of cool because it's something that they are able to relate on. So I'm sure that that was something you and your brother talked about a lot was your, when you were together was military life. It's something that becomes everything in your life. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were national guard. So, you know, for people who are unfamiliar with the national guard, we, we worked one weekend a month and two weeks a year. So we weren't full-time soldiers where we, every day, that's all we do day in and day out. We had uh, other civilian jobs. My brother and I both uh, graduated with accounting degrees. He worked for a CPA firm and I worked for an insurance company. And so like we, we had the same typical jobs that, that we would have had, had we not joined the, the military. And, and so, but yeah, you know, going, going back to, you know, like our, our deployment and everything like that, that definitely changed our perspectives on, on life. My brother had previously uh, deployed to Iraq. And so he, he knew a lot of like what he was getting into by going to Afghanistan. Um, And I only knew kind of through stories that I've heard from other people. So, but we did talk about, you know, the military and and how it would affect us and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you do have a really unique um, perspective on being an active duty service member for being in the Guard. I mean, it's kind of different. You have that everyday like life where you're going through your daily job and then you come in and you put on that uniform and you go through those training events or deployments. And so now that you are also a gold star brother, you know, a military, a lot of soldiers, you know, everyone's their brother, but it must have been like completely different being in that situation where your brother, your blood um, was the one that was no longer coming home. Um, And it really must have been, I don't even know how you were able to put those big brother feelings aside and complete your mission that's a lot of, a lot of willpower. And I'm tearing up over here. So I'm really sorry. Um, I grew up in a military family too. My husband's active duty. So fortunately we've never lost a blood, blood member, but we've lost enough, enough of our brothers and sisters that um, it could be filled across the the globe. But how did you deal with that in the moment? You know, it, it was one of those things where I think I just, I didn't have a choice. I, I, had to focus on my job and, and do what I needed to do um, because I, I thought about it. And, and in the moment, like when, when those, those bullets first started flying, all I felt was pure anger and hatred and 
and it was like a, a rage that came up across me. And I, the thought crossed my mind. Like, I just want to go run down back down into this village and just kill everyone that I see, because I, I just had so much hatred boiling up inside of me. And then I, I quickly realized, and I snapped myself out of it, that if I was to do something like that, there's no way, like, there's no way I was making that out of that alive. You know, I would definitely be either seriously injured or killed uh, in, in that process. And so I said, okay, well, what are the consequences of that? Um, my son, my newborn son would grow up without a father. My wife would be, uh, you know, a, a widow at a young age. Um, my parents would get a second knock on the door saying that you, another one of your, your kids has been killed. And I said, okay, well, I don't want any of that to happen. So what do I need to do to make sure that none of that happens? And, you know, I need to, uh, I need to just buckle down and focus on my job. I, I was in charge of, um, you know, about 10 or so, uh, other guys. And so I need to make sure that they were positioned where they needed to be, that they had ammo and that they had all the, uh, you know, everything that they needed. Um, because that, that was my job. I was, I was their leader and I, I had to be, uh, in, in charge of them and, and provide that leadership. If I wasn't able to keep my head in the game, something could have happened to them as well. They, they could have been positioned in a, in a place where maybe a friendly fire incident could have taken place. And if I wasn't paying attention to that, uh, then, then I would have had that added on top of the grief that I already was, was feeling. And, and I just, I couldn't do that. And, and I couldn't look at their parents or their, their wives or their kids in the eye and say, Hey, your, your dad or your, son or your bro brother or whoever uh is is dead because i couldn't i couldn't focus because i was grieving and and i just couldn't do that so i i felt like i had no other choice i i had to just kind of buckle down and uh and do the best job that i could absolutely that's uh, yeah i can't even imagine the thought of just being there and getting that news and so after you found out and you were able to finally get back away from the mission were you able to go and see him there in theater um, when that happened? Uh, sort of, not really. After our firefight kind of was uh, over, if you, if you want to call it that, uh, I was flown off of the mountaintop that we were on to Bagram Airfield. Uh, and this was late, late at night, the day that he died. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, maybe seven or eight o'clock at night later. So later. And when I, I got there, uh, I was, I met with our brigade leadership and, and they, they kind of went over like what took place, what they, they knew from the incident, because it was still fresh. It just happened that day. They didn't have all the information quite yet. Uh, and, and I asked, you know, could I, uh, could I call home? And there was for anyone who's been in the military, who's been in a situation like this, they, they know that uh, there's a, a blackout period where you're not able to call home, but nobody was able to call home. Uh, during that time period. And the reason why is because they want to make sure that the, the family gets notified through the proper channels and not, not just receive a phone call uh, that, you know, for a five minute phone call where I end up hang, having to hang up and not really be able to be there for them. So I, I couldn't call home. Um, and so that was, that was heartbreaking for, for me because I, all I wanted to do was call my wife, call my parents and, and find out how they were doing. Um, but since we didn't know whether or not they were notified yet, I couldn't call home. The next morning, 
there was what's called a ramp ceremony, which is where they, they bring the transfer case with the fallen uh, soldiers inside of it uh, onto the, the cargo plane that flies them out of uh, Afghanistan, which I felt fortunate to be able to be there, to be a part of as a representative for my brother's family um, to, to just kind of be there. And it, as part of the ceremony, I like to think of it kind of like a Catholic wake where, where you have people coming in and paying their respects. And there's kind of like a receiving line where, where the family, you know, greets the the people who come through to pay their respects. And so I got to be a part of that, that whole ceremony. And, and I got to greet all of the people who came through. So uh, I, I felt very blessed that I was able to be there for that, represent my brother. And then from there, we flew, I flew on the same flight as my brother was on uh, to Kuwait. And from there, that's where we parted ways. And, and that also was hard because one of the things that they teach you in the military is to never leave a fallen soldier. And uh, that's exactly what I felt like I was doing. I felt like I was just leaving him behind. And it, it tore me up that, that I had to do that. Uh, you know, looking back at it now, I know that he was never left alone. There was always someone with him and, and that it wasn't like he was just being left behind, like, you know, lost luggage or, or something like that. But, and also looking at it now, I, I recognize that I was of more use to my family back home than I was to my brother where he was. So it, it was all for, for the better, but it, it was still hard. It was a difficult decision for, for me to, to have to accept. But then, you know, I left, I parted ways. And so we never, I never really got to see him until uh, he was at the funeral home back in, in our hometown. Um, that, that was the the first time I, I was able to see him after he passed. Really unique experience to be able to though be in that line and kind of talk to his soldiers and be kind of represent him in his unit. I, there's probably not another person who's had that story and had that experience where they got to represent their brother in the last moments of it. Yeah. Right. And, and as far as I know, and I've done a little bit of research on this, I think my story is unique with respect to the Afghan war, uh, the war in mm-hmm. Afghanistan, where there have been other sets of brothers or you know siblings who have been lost, uh, you know, and they may have been service members, but not while they both were over overseas at the same time. And so uh, I think my story is somewhat unique. Uh, I hope my story is unique in that regards, because I would never wish that on on anybody to to have to live through that kind of an experience, especially in the circumstances that I I had in my my experience where um, there, I was directly engaged in combat, just, you know, a few moments after finding out about that loss. And I I would never wish that on anyone. Yeah, it's definitely a, a very unique um, scenario. And, you know, you've gone on and created a little bit of a legacy for your brother and for yourself. Um, can you explain how you've connected with and helped the military community since becoming a Gold Star Brother, like for your book or your podcast? Yeah, just kind of take it back a little bit. When I first came home, there were news vans lining up and down my parents' street. Um, uh, right outside of their house. And they're all there for for interviews with our family about my brother and, and everything. And my initial reaction was, these people are just vultures. They're out for a story and, and they, they'll pick on any little piece of it that they can. And I didn't want anything to do with it at the, at the time. Um, I just didn't want to talk to them. 
But then I, I realized that if we didn't give them a story, if we we didn't talk to them, they'd find some random person in a grocery store parking lot and, and just to get a sound bite. And it would be a 30 second story. And that would be the end of it. The, the book, the story of my brother, the book would be closed and that would be it. There would be no more telling his story. Um, and I realized that we needed to tell his story. So we went out and we did all the interviews that we could. Anyone who came uh, to us with a request for an interview, we, we did it and we provided them with whatever they, we could to continue telling my brother's story. And so in addition to telling my story in the book, uh, Surviving Son, uh, I'm telling my brother's story too, which my hope is it's going to outlive both of us. Obviously it, it will him, but uh, my, my hope is that it, it's one of those stories that people will pick up years and years from now, uh, even long after I'm gone and, and be able to take something away from it. And in my podcast, Drive On podcast, I, I get to speak to other veterans who they've struggled with various issues like mental health or substance abuse, job issues. And I get to discuss how they got through their troubles. And benefit of doing that is to share with other people that they're not alone, that they that there are other people who have gone through some of these similar circumstances. Because a lot of times I've I've found that people just struggle in silence and and they feel like they're all alone because they don't ever get to talk to anybody who has experienced something similar. So by sharing these stories, not only are we saying, hey, you're not alone. There's someone else who's gone through this. And sometimes that's enough to, to make you feel like, okay, well, if someone else did it, then I can do it too. But but we also talk about ways that they have come out better off on the other side of that struggle. So when, when someone is listening to this, not only are they getting some hope that, okay, well, if someone else did it, I can do it too. They're also getting the, the feedback of, of saying, hey, well, this person tried, you know, uh, art therapy, for example, or they tried, uh, you know, any kind of various forms that we talk about of, of coping skills that, that help them get through their, their troubles and, and say, you know what, well, I haven't tried that. So maybe if I try that, I can get through this as, as well. And so that my hope is that, that people will listen to, to these episodes and recognize that there, there is a better future out there for them if, if they are willing to put in the work for it. But I also get to speak to, to nonprofit organizations and, and others who uh, provide services to veterans, which are doing great work for, for veterans. And the goal of both of these types of guests is to give hope to the veterans and the, their families uh, who might be suffering and, and to let them know that they're not alone. Absolutely. I, I love that you advocate for the veterans here, obviously, at Rock Up Buttercup. That's a lot of what our episodes are, too. Um, we are more for the community and the military spouses who are currently active duty as well. Um, but we run through a nonprofit called Deployed Love. So we also are a resource ourselves to those community. And it's amazing to see that there's podcasts out there that aren't just to tell people's story, but that want, really, really want to be able to help the community and veterans. They need it. They need the help. There's tons of resources, but a lot of them, as you were saying, don't tend to reach out to where they need to get those resources. Um, right. I don't know if it's a pride thing. I don't, it, it probably, a lot of it is knowing my husband, who is now yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of the things of why he doesn't go get the help that he could definitely use in some of those areas is pride. I, I love that you tell the story from the veteran's perspective and that, the, you know, stepping away from that pride and stepping over the line and getting the help that you need is so important. And you could just live such a happier life if you're able to just get the help that you need. Yeah, absolutely. And 
you know, I think pride is definitely one of those issues that that people uh, face when they, they're they're faced with the decision of whether or not to go in and get the help that they they might need. But some of it is just education. You know, if you don't know something exists or that there's something even out there that that might help you, then you it's just a matter of uh, you know saying, well, okay, I've tried everything that I could think of and none of it worked. And so I must just be a lost cause. Um, but uh, nothing could be further from the truth because I, I feel like there are just so many organizations out there doing so many different things that, you know, I, I think we would, we would all need decades and decades, if not centuries to try everything, you know, for, to, to get through all of this stuff. So, you know, if you say that you've tried everything, you know, you have to be at least like 150 years old or something like that to say you've tried everything. So I, I call, I call BS on that. If, if you if say you've, you've tried, tried everything, everything, at least you've had quite the adventure. Because yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I think it's really important for those people too, who, who are wanting to seek help, who may not have the best leadership or a toxic leadership, who think that, you know, if they go get help, then they ruin their career anything like that like there are so many organizations out there that you can contact and just be like how can you help me and like you said there's there's so many that someone out there will help you and it's not going to affect your career if anything it's going to make your career positive and you're going to be able to to continue doing your very best which you have to do your very best when you serve in the military you have to be on guard you have to be ready to go and um yeah depending on where you're at in the the pyramid you know whether you're platoon sergeant or whatever you may be like you're you need to be able to be at your very best so getting the help you Mm -hmm. need is so important yeah definitely and and I think you know one of the things that you just mentioned was you know maybe you might have some leadership that might not be supportive of this type of thing but uh, I think there's a leader in all of us and by stepping up and, and going and getting treatment when you need it, recognizing that, hey, something's wrong and I need to go get this fixed. Uh, I think that that is, in a way, a, a form of leadership because it, it's saying, like, I'm leading by example. Like, hey, I have a problem. I'm going to fix it so that I can be the best uh, you know, squad leader or platoon sergeant or whatever, I, you know, whatever your role is in the, in the, the pyramid, then... So you can be the best that you can be. Um, I, I just talked to somebody. I interviewed him uh, the other day on my podcast, and and he he had that same story where he was afraid of what his leadership might say and, and do, and he said, "You know what? I don't care anymore. Let, let's just go do it, and let's just go get the help that I need, and and tell everyone about it, and make sure that everybody knows what what I'm going through." Say so, and learning that you need it is going to help so much in that leadership position because you're going to notice when a younger person needs that help. And that's so much what the military needs right now with the amount of suicide within active duty and veterans. Um, If we're not watching and seeing when people need help because we're not admitting that ourselves that we need help, it's never going to get better. If if we're going to put off those symptoms, we're going to see those things and be like, oh, no, no, we can't notice that. We can't recognize the issues because it might put their career at danger or whatever it is Right. where right. life is so much more important than career. When it comes down to it, I'd rather you notice that there's something wrong with someone and force them to get help in whatever way than for them to just end it all, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. 
Yeah, and it's a hard, that's a hard thing, a decision to make, but being able to re recognize something like that in yourself, I mean, that's that's really the first step in being able to recognize it in somebody who really desperately needs the help too. Um, so I know that you have the podcast and we're really excited about your book and we're gonna put all that in there. Do you have a resource that you specifically would put out there to veterans who may be struggling that's the easiest one to kind of get to off the top of your head? Well, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of resources out there and, and I do try to put uh, a lot of the resources that I've, I come across on, on my website, the drive on podcast.com uh, website. Uh, there's a, there's a tab up at the top for, for resources. And uh, you know, I don't think there's any one size fits all solution to, to any problems. And so that's why I try to put a variety of, of resources available on, on the, the website um, because there's different things that are, are focused towards gold star families and there's different organizations focused towards uh you know combat soldiers who have ptsd or uh you know people who are struggling with drug and alcohol abuse or homelessness or you name it any number of things there's, there's so many different resources out there um and so uh you know i i put a lot of the resources on my website so that it's just a one quick uh, one-stop shop to, to go to. So no matter what issue you're going through, even if you're going through multiple different uh, things, you, you can potentially find a, a solution for it on, on my website. Uh, so, so I really do in encourage people to go check that out. Um, and, and even if you don't subscribe to the podcast or whatever, like the resource is still there. It doesn't matter who you are, uh, whether or not you listen to the podcast. I, I don't care as long as it's there to help someone and, and it's available for, for you to, to get help. Um, you know, that's, that's really, I think the, the biggest thing. Yeah. And then would you have um, any advice for a family that may have more recently become a gold star family? I um, mean, how they, you, tackled or maybe you didn't do while you guys were going through that experience that you wish someone had told you? Yeah. I mean, un unfortunately, you know, there was that, that case, uh, you know, a couple months ago back at, in, uh, uh the Kabul airport where there were the 13, uh, Marines and, and everyone who was, was killed over there. And so there, even as recently as just a couple months ago, we, we were, having gold star families, you know, uh, new gold star families coming, coming around. And that's a club that nobody wants to be a part of. Um, but, but once when you are a part of it, there's, there's no getting out. Um, it's, it's worse than the mafia, <laughs> you know, um, but losing a loved one unexpectedly is never easy. Uh, even if you know they're going to be in a dangerous place, like, like in combat, like I did with my, my brother, there's a little voice in the back of your head saying it's, it's not going to happen to them. You know, they're, they're going to be fine. Uh, they'll, they'll come back, uh, or, or even you, you might even lie to yourself and say, well, that's something that just happens to other people. I know, I know I did that myself. I, you know, you know, I think in order for me to be able to do my job, I just said to myself, Hey, uh, my, my brother's going to be fine. I don't have to worry about him. He's, he's already been to Iraq. He's, he's dealt with that before. This isn't his first rodeo. He'll, he'll be okay. I just need to focus on my job and do, do my job. Um, and I, I think if I, if I told myself that something would happen to him, I wouldn't be able to do my job. So, so I, I kind of lied to myself and say, well, I, I shouldn't worry about that because that, that happens to other people. That doesn't happen to me. And if you are a Gold Star family member, you know uh, that you can become one of those, you know, quote unquote, other people really fast. And my advice to those Gold Star family members is that your loved ones sacrificed themselves for you, for me, for all of us. Uh, and they did it to protect what they loved 
and, and who they loved uh, back here at home. It's fine to feel sad about your loss. It, that's perfectly normal. I think there's nothing wrong with feeling sadness and, and grief and, and letting the natural uh, process take place. There's no set amount of time. You know, I've been asked before, uh, you know, how long does it take to, to get over this? Yeah, and there's no set amount of time. And, and I, quite frankly, I don't think that anyone really gets over uh, the loss of a loved one like that. It's not like a light switch where, where all of a sudden one day you, you flip on the switch and then, you know, boom, you're, you're all better and you don't, you don't feel sad anymore. You have to, I think what you have to do is just discover how to live life without them. Uh, it's hard to think about it as if they were uh, completely gone. But what, what I, did in the early days was I, I tried to think about my brother uh, as just kind of living in a faraway place that doesn't have cell phone service or internet service. And I had no way of communicating with him. You know, it was like he was in the middle of China somewhere and I, I had no way of accessing him. Uh, and, and so it wasn't like he was gone uh, in, in my mind. It, it was like, he just isn't here. And that made it a little bit easier for me to, to learn how to live without him around. Um, but at the same time, you know, find, find meaning and purpose in, in life, uh, you know, do something that they would be proud of. Um, I, I do this with my book, uh, Surviving Son, and, and my podcast, the Drive On Podcast. And I knew my brother would do anything for his soldiers. His, his enlistment was going to be up uh, before his, uh, his deployment to Afghanistan was going to be over. So he, they weren't going to send him to Afghanistan. But he decided to re-enlist in order to go to Afghanistan to be there with with the soldiers who he previously served with in Iraq and, and some of the new soldiers who were new to his unit. And I want to continue serving those soldiers and, and all of our veterans by giving back through the work that I do with the podcast and, and my book. And so, you know, try to find something that's that's meaningful, that that they could be proud of. You know, if they you know, whatever you think, if you, you believe in heaven, if you believe in, you know, that type of, if you were to take that person and, and say, they're looking down at, at the life that you're living right now, is, is what you're doing today, something that they would be proud of. And if not, maybe try to find something that, that they would be proud of and, and try to try to do that to honor their memory and, and find something to fill the void. Um, but don't fill it with alcohol and drugs and, and things like that, because that's, that's not going to help anything. You know, try try to find something that that's meaningful and will honor their their sacrifice. Absolutely, and there's so many veteran. We've talked about all the veteran programs that could use volunteers, that could use help, um, advocates, people that, and then you can be involved in the military community if you aren't already still involved. Um, it's a great way to fill that thought, I guess, because you are you're going to be surrounded by military family, and once you're part of that family you don't get back out of it. There's always going to be someone there that loves on you that will support right. you through everything you're going through. So I think that's super, a great place to reach out if you're looking for somewhere to reconnect um, back with the military community as any veteran organization. Yeah, definitely. And there, there's so many of them out there. Uh, you, you can even, if you're not sure who they are, where, where to reach out, uh, type in, you know, veteran service organizations in, in your zip code or, you know, a, a major city near you and uh, type that into Google and I guarantee a list of organizations will come up. And, and if they don't have an immediate need, I'm, I, I can almost guarantee that that one of them will be able to point you in the right direction to, to get you to an organization that you can help out with. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say almost all of them do have immediate needs at all about anywhere you could go. There's just, there's always a need for volunteering. So right. and it's a great way to get out. 
But I think what you're doing at the podcast is an amazing way to represent your brother. I'm sure that he's incredibly proud. I think that it's really amazing that you're reaching out to veterans and hearing their stories and not, you know, not looking at them differently and trying to be their their support system. Yeah, and I actually spoke to a, another Gold Star mother who her son was the, the first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq uh, back in 2006. And, you know, she's, she put it really well, and I'm, I'm going to give credit to her, uh, Debbie Lee, uh, the, the mother of Mark Lee. What she said was that she could have just crawled into a ball and never never came out of that that dark depression and, you know, that sadness and, and the grieving state. But she chose to stand up and to honor her her son's sacrifice and, and fight for the veterans who are, are still here and and for the families who are grieving their their loved ones. And so she she started up an organization called America's Mighty Warriors and, and she is is doing that to this day. Even all these years later, she's still out there fighting on behalf of the veterans and, and the military community uh, and the Gold Star families who who have sacrificed so much for for all of us, and and she's she's made that conscious decision to stand up and 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 continue that that fight. Yeah, I think that's a testament to military families too. That you know, no matter where you're at in the journey, um, whether you get out of the military, you become a Gold Star family, you're still active duty. We bleed red, white, and blue. We're here for the soldiers, no matter where they're at as well. And I, I can say every military, every gold star family that I've come across, they, they've all said that, like I could have crawled up under a rock and never came out, but they, they go out and they, they honor their soldier to the, to the very max capacity that they can do on a daily basis. And it's truly awe-inspiring to see these families that could just have gone away and they're just like, no, like my son, my husband, my brother, my dad gave their life for this country. And we're going to show everybody why that was. It's truly great. Yeah. And trust me when I say this, that there were times where I wanted to just crawl under a rock and not ever come out. And I just wanted to be left alone. Uh, and, you know, I even still have some, some of those times where, where I'm like, you know what, I, I kind of need, need some space. And I think that's okay too, to, to set those boundaries for yourself and say, okay, I'm, I'm getting a little overwhelmed with this. It's too much for me right now. Uh, take, take a step away, but, but keep, keep in the back of your mind why you're doing this, why, why you're, you're out there telling someone's story or, or volunteering with an organization or, or setting up an organization that you run yourself, you know, whatever it is, keep, keep your why, the, the meaning behind it. Uh, in, in the back of your mind so that you don't ever forget that and and know that you're, you're doing it for uh, the benefit of other people. When you have a, a purpose that's bigger than yourself, uh, sometimes that gives you that that sense of, of meaning in, in your life that helps you, you know, excuse the pun, but drive on, you know, and, and continue working for what it, towards whatever that, that goal is that you have. Absolutely. Um, so if you guys are listening today, make sure you guys swing over and check out the drive on podcast. He's got amazing resources. We will have all of his links and everything in the show notes. So you're able to reach out to him if you are interested in being on his show or talking with him personally, but I really thank you for hanging out with us. And I hope that you have a really great veterans day coming up, um, able to celebrate in whatever way that you choose to. 
Well, thank you very much again for having me on the show. I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share my story and my brother's story with, with your audience and, and with you today. Thank you so much. Um, otherwise, I hope that you guys enjoyed the show and we'll be back again with another episode of Girls Chat coming up soon. As we like to say, ruck up, buttercup.